How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Put this down here. Good. Uh, just before we, if you if you have a Bible or Bible app with you, you can turn to uh, Jeremiah twenty nine. We're going to get there in a few minutes. But just before we uh, dive into the scriptures, uh, we have this summer, I'm really excited, our team is really excited that uh, besides kind of the regular uh, things that we're, you know, we're going to be doing uh, throughout the summer, we've got Backyard Kids, we're going to be reaching into the Edgewood community up Levine Street, um, and we've got the skate park, and we're doing the, uh, you know, growing food for the, the volunteer center, and there's a number of things that we're doing kind of ongoingly. But uh, a couple of um, event-type things that we're going to be doing this summer as, as outreach opportunities we're really excited about. Um, we have, uh, last week, if you remember, we had Leighton and Jerrica here. They did a fantastic job. Just love their heart. Love their uh, the sweet spirit uh, about them and and uh, their passion for reaching people with the good news of Jesus. And uh, and so we had a meeting after the service last week with them and chatted about uh, what it could look like potentially to partner with them. Uh, for, uh, for an event, and, and who knows what that could lead to in the future. And, uh, and so we've decided that uh, on July 10th and 11th, Saturday, Sunday, they're going to be here. On the Saturday, they're going to be doing, we, there's more details to be worked out yet as far as times and stuff, but on the Saturday, they're going to be doing a training seminar about sharing your faith with people. Um, you know, sometimes we call that evangelism, right? But just sharing the good news of Jesus with people. And on Sunday afternoon, we're going to uh, be hitting the streets, just going and looking for people that God might lead us to, to just share the love of Jesus with. And, uh, and so that is July 10th and 11th. And... Uh, and then we also have a, another team coming near the end of August, the third week of August. We have King's Castle, who were here two years, three years ago? Three years ago. Um, King's Castle, they're a, a child and youth discipleship ministry out of Glad Tidings in Moncton. And they came and partnered with us to do some outreach on the streets three years ago. And they're coming back to do that again. So we're just really excited that we've got some amazing opportunities. We want to be praying because God knows every conversation that's going to happen this summer now. So we want to be praying now that God would prepare the soil of hearts so that we would see fruit we would see people come to know Jesus because of conversations. There are people God's been 
Holy Spirit has been preparing their spirits, their hearts, for years, for decades even, for that one conversation, right? So we want to be praying for those opportunities coming up. So we're just excited. It's going to be a great summer of reaching out to our community. And we want to encourage you. I know that for some of you, for many of us, those two things that I'm talking about are stepping way out of your comfort zone to even think about doing it. I want to ask you to pray and ask God to give you the courage to consider being a part of those outreaches. Because I think it's not only going to be an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus, but it's going to be a growing opportunity for us. Right? Yes, pastor. Sounds great. We'll definitely consider that. We'll pray. We'll see what God will do. Amen. All right. Good. Well, today we are starting uh, a series of messages. Today's message is going to be kind of introductory, big picture. But we're starting a series of messages that we're calling Living in Babylon. And before, actually, before I say that, we are, you may have noticed, we've got communion things here at the front. We're going to be celebrating communion together at the end of the service. Uh, For those of you watching from home, you may want to, uh, you know, scramble around, find some, some bread and juice and stuff to join us. For those that are watching later, you can hit pause and, uh, and go find some things and get ready to, uh, to celebrate communion with us. All right, so living in Babylon. Babylon in Scripture is a real place. It's, it was, a, it was a, a kingdom, a, an empire that existed um, in a few different forms over the centuries, but, but the one that we kind of zero in on was, a, was a, an empire started by Nebuchadnezzar I in, uh, you know, around, around 600 B.C. Um, and... So it was a real, real kingdom and a real place, but it's also used throughout Scripture to talk about evil empires, period. To talk about the world system that is in opposition to the plans and the purposes of God. Right? So we find Babylon talked about even in the book of Revelation now, when we get to when the book of Revelation was written, there, Babylon didn't exist anymore as a, as a kingdom. It didn't exist. But, the, but Revelation talks about Babylon. Why? Because the Roman Empire was the new Babylon. Right? Because the Roman Empire was, was the, the evil system or the, the world system that was partnered with with evil entities and the plans of the enemy for this world. And, um, and so the Bible talks about us, uh, about exile 
exile in Babylon. Why? Because Israel as, or Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, as a nation, was exiled in Babylon. And again, that happened, that really happened in history. But it's also a symbol of the people of God living in a world system that is in opposition to God. And in fact, the, um, the concept of exile, the concept of exile is our story. It is the story of the Bible. You may think that's just some weird thing that happened back there in Israel's history and why do I need to know about that anyways? Exile is the story of God's people in the world from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Let me take you through some examples to understand how prevalent the story of exile is the story. This is a book about exile. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, thank you for asking. We just, as we look in Scripture and see the exile motif, the exile theme in Scripture, Adam and Eve sinned against God when they were living in paradise, living in the Garden of Eden, in a place of beauty, a place unlike any other place in the world. God's original plan, as He gave it to them, was they were, they were to increase and multiply. They were to have kids. And they and their kids and the generations after them were to expand the beauty of the Garden of Eden until it encompassed the world. That was the plan. But they broke the plan. They sinned against God. They rebelled against God. And in order to keep the, the poisoned, a poisoned paradise from becoming, from encompassing the world, Adam and Eve were kicked out of paradise. They were exiled from God's presence, they were exiled from paradise. Right? Then Abraham was an exile from the country of Ur. God said, leave your, leave your family, leave your country, go to a place I'm going to show you. Abraham was an exile, a sojourner, the, one is one of the words the Bible uses. Uh, uh, he was an exile. Jacob, his brother Esau is going to kill him. He's got to get out of town. And he runs to Haran to where other family lives, and he's an exile from his family, from the promised land that God had promised to his, his grandfather, Abraham. Joseph ends up being an exile from his family and a captive in Egypt. And then after him, his whole family became captives in Egypt. Moses, seeking to deliver his people, Kills a guy, kills, a, kills an Egyptian soldier. 
And he now is on the run. And for 40 years, he's in exile in Midian. Israel ended up in their desert wanderings. They disobeyed God. They didn't go into the land when God told them to. Israel ends up being exiles, wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Later on, David is anointed to be the next king after Saul, but Saul wants to kill him. So David spends like 15 years in exile, hiding in caves. Right? Um, Then a few hundred years later, the northern kingdom of Israel, Israel was split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom of Israel was taken in 722, uh, uh, sorry, the, the city of Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom was destroyed. And the northern kingdom was taken by the Assyrian empire into exile. And then a couple hundred years later, 150 years later, Nebuchadnezzar comes, sieges and destroys Jerusalem and carries the southern kingdom of Judah into exile. Many of the prophets that we find in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Daniel, Hosea, and so on and so on, are written during this time of the northern and the southern kingdom's exile. They're written to the people of Israel how they, how they ought to now live in this season of exile. Come back to that. Jesus and his family. Herod wants to kill Jesus particularly, but he kills a whole bunch of babies. The area of Bethlehem. And Jesus and his, his parents are on the run and they go to Egypt. We're not sure how long, but they go to Egypt. And they are exiles in Egypt. So this, this idea of exile is not just an Old Testament idea. It's picked up in the New Testament and carried right through. The early Christians, we see many places in the New Testament, we, we see and understand, and even from history, that they were exiles in the Roman Empire. They, they were not wanted. They were not liked. They were dis- they, in, in different periods in the Roman Empire, they were sought out, persecuted, killed, put in, in the arenas to be, to be uh, mocked and, and, and killed on display right for for entertainment um they were they were in exile and then when we get to the book of revelation and it speaks of another empire that is to come another kingdom that is to come really speaks of the last days and speaks of how the people of god will once again be exiles and then in revelation 21 to 22, the beautiful story of God's deliverance from all exile. The hope of the world comes. The new heaven and the new earth come. And all of the, 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 the people of God's exile throughout all of history from the Garden of Eden until the end is done away with. 
And no longer are we exiled from the presence of God, but the presence of God comes and lives among us. And we are with Him forever. Isn't that awesome? And so the story of exile is the story of how God is taking us from Eden to new heaven and new earth. From the beginning to the end. So I, I want us this morning to read, we're going to, over the next number of weeks, we're going um, to dig into what does all this mean? What, so what? Right? It's, that sounds nice, Pastor. So what? What's the point? Well, the point is, first of all, you and I were made for more. We were made to live in the glory of God. We were made to live in His presence. We were made to live in paradise with Him. That's, we were made for that. We were made to rule and reign with Him. The instructions that God gave Adam and Eve in, in Genesis chapter 2 was that they were to, to partner with Him in the dominion of the earth. They were made to rule and to reign. We have fallen from our original status. Sin has resulted in death and exile for all of humanity. And the remnant of those who belong to Yahweh, who belong to the true and living God, the remnant of those who belong to Yahweh are living now in this world, in an evil world that is hostile to the government of God, to the rule and the reign of God in the world. And we see it in little things, we see it in big things, but the world system that we live in is hostile to the government of God. But when Jesus came into the world, The day that he was born and the angels declared glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among men on whom God's favor rests. When that happened, the light of heaven broke into the darkness of this world. Isaiah 9 says that, that the government will rest on the shoulders of Jesus and of the increase of his peace and of his government, well, it will never end. And so the, the light, the kingdom of God, has begun to break into the darkness of this world. And you and I are part of that. We are part of the kingdom of God, the government of God, breaking into this world. But right now we live in the in-between place where we must still contend with the dark systems of this world, we still deal with the reality. Jesus said, we'll get to this in, in weeks to come, but Jesus said in His prayer in John chapter 17, I don't take them out of the world. 
but I pray that you would protect them as you did me. Right? So God sends us, Jesus actually said, I send you as sheep among wolves. How can sheep possibly go among wolves and survive? Because the prayer of Jesus that he prayed then and he prays still today because he intercedes on the right hand of the Father every day for his people in the world. And as he's praying, he's praying the protection of the sheep as they go among the wolves. Folks, our job is not to become stronger wolves. Our job is to be the sheep who go out among the wolves in the protection and the anointing of God. We do so with our first allegiance being to Jesus, our King. And what's the point? God is coming. God is coming. God is coming to set all things right. Hallelujah. But how do we live as we wait? Right? How do we live in this in-between time? This awkward, challenging, difficult in-between time when we know that God is coming to set things right, but He's not here yet. And we still have to contend with the darkness of the world around us. How do we do that? How do we navigate that? I think that, uh, you know, for the last year, we've been asking these questions. For the last year, we've been trying to navigate this as if it's a new thing. But it's not. It's just highlighted for us. We're just more aware And I think it's time that rather than turn to Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or any other online media for the answers to how do we live in this in-between time, it's time that the people of God turn to the book of exile to figure out how do we live in exile. There are passages in this book that talk very specifically about how the people of God are to navigate this stuff. So we need to dig into it, and that's where we're going to go in this series. Right? We're going we're to talk about things like, who do I believe? Right? Do I believe CNN? Do I believe Fox Media? Do I believe rebel media? Do I believe Facebook? Who do I believe? Right? Where do I get my answers? Or do I obey the government? Do I obey the government? What is the Bible? Not what's my opinion about it. What does the Bible say? I think it's going to surprise you no matter where you sit on the issue, it's going to surprise you what the Bible has to say about do I obey the government in these challenging times?
Or should I resist and fight the things that I don't agree with or the things that I'm upset with when the government says this or that, right? What do I do? How do I navigate this? What happened to the world I understood? Right? Wouldn't we be better to just build a bunker and wait? Let all of this blow over. Just go off grid and hide in the woods. Right? Right? Why doesn't Jesus just come now? Lord, rescue us, right? <laughs> and what do I say to people who are afraid? Maybe it's me. What do I say in the mirror? Right? So these are all things we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. And, uh, and God help us navigate what it looks like. Because folks, I'm so excited that green might be coming in six weeks. And we might be able to throw away the masks and sit in every pew and hug one another again and all those things, right? I'm excited about that. But we now live in a different world than we did a year and a half ago. And guaranteed, things are going to be different moving forward, even if we get to green. All right, Jeremiah 29. This is one of the passages. And you know what? In this, in this passage, there are two, count them two, fridge magnet verses that you have memorized, that you have quoted, that you have held on to as promises of God, and you probably didn't even know that they were verses that were given in the context of exile. So let's read this and see. I'm going to read the whole thing. And then we're going to, we're going to kind of go uh, bit by bit and just walk through it quickly. We won't, won't be too long this morning. We have communion yet, but let's read it. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, it is what, uh, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encouraged them to have. 
They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for you, uh, completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So, this is a very important prophetic piece of scripture. It is a piece of scripture that had its fulfillment in part. When Israel came back 70 years afterwards um, and began to rebuild their nation. It is a prophecy that was fulfilled in part when Israel became a nation again in 1948. But it is a prophecy that also in part has yet to be fulfilled. When God comes and ends our exile. So, we are, we've been saying this for the last year plus, but we need to keep repeating it and keep saying it. We are a people of hope, not a people of fear. I don't care how dark things get, we have no reason to fear. I don't care how messy it gets, how, how, how much the government might overreach or do things that we are, you know, going, what is going on in Canada? Or whatever. No matter what happens, we have no reason to fear. We are a people of hope with a voice of hope to the world, period. I want to challenge us, those sitting here, those watching online, that if you have been, are being part of stirring up fear and fear-mongering, Stirring up fear in the conversations that you're having about where the world is and where it's going. I want to challenge you that you are participating in what the enemy wants to bring, not what God wants to bring. That we are a people of hope with a voice of hope. So interesting, when, when God starts this whole thing off, um, in verse 4, 
says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What? I thought Nebuchadnezzar and his armies carried the people from Jerusalem into Babylon. I thought it was the bad guys that came and carried God's people into exile. But here God says, I'm writing, I'm speaking to the ones who I carried into exile. What is going on? Um, there's all kinds of things going on. We don't have time to, go, to drill too deep on it today. But um, I want to suggest to you that, that even though technically, physically, literally, historically, it was Nebuchadnezzar and his armies that came and carried the people into exile, it was part of God's plan. And that means that though Israel walked through dark and difficult days, though the entire book of Lamentations was written as a woe is us of the people of God who were now living in a place that was not their home by the rivers of Babylon, wailing and crying and repenting and calling out to God, saying, God, why, why us? In the midst of their darkness, God was at work. Bringing about a change in their hearts, bringing about His big plan. And that means we can trust, no matter what happens, that God has a plan even when things get dark, right? Um, then he says, uh, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and daughters, give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. In other words, get ready to have grandkids in this land of exile. What's the point of that? Well, we are in a time of waiting, right? We're waiting. Jesus is going to come and end our exile. We're waiting. But that doesn't mean we just put our life on pause and look up to the sky. Remember the, God, the angels after Jesus ascended? They said, what are you doing looking up into the sky? Right? And yet so many these days, so many Christians are just stuck like, Jesus, are you coming? We're just waiting. And he's going, go do what I told you to do. You'll know when I get there. But in the meantime, plan for your retirement, right? Plan as if, you know, just keep doing life. You're living, keep living even in exile. Plan for retirement, hope for the rapture. All right? Um, he says, increase there, do not decrease. 
We need to be people with an increase mindset, not a shrivel into the, into the closet, shrivel into my hiding place, shrivel into the bunker. We need to be people who say, God has called us to be people of increase. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. Don't shrivel, don't diminish, don't hide, don't run. Live with confidence that God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Also, seek um, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it, it, if it prospers, you too will prosper. We need to be for our city. We need to be for our province. We need to be for our nation. Do we agree with everything happening in our city, province, and nation? Of course not. Did the people of Israel that were living in Babylon agree with everything that Nebuchadnezzar was doing? Of course not. But we still need to be people who are for our nation, for our province, for our city. We are, we are not to be, you don't see anywhere in the Gospels where Jesus was known for all the things he was against. That was the Pharisees. Jesus was known for who he was for. We need to be for the blessing and advancing of our country. And, and, and it's, the reality is we need to live as the people of God as a prophetic voice to the... We need to be the conscience of our nation. We need to be the conscience of our province. We need to be the conscience of our city. We need to speak prophetically. We have a prophetic message of God into our nation, into our province, into our, into our city. But prophetic voices don't need to be accusatory, attacking voices. They can be for and still challenge. There's a way to do that. We're going to talk about that. All right. Um, there is a timeline to this exile. God says, when 70 years are completed for, for Babylon, I will come. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So two things from that verse. There is a timeline. This is not forever. Everybody say hallelujah. <laughs> right? There is, an, there is an end to our exile in this world. For the, for the Israelites in the literal Babylon, it was 70 years. God had a plan from start to finish. But remember, they were, they were also symbolic of the people of God in the world. We are living in exile, but it's not forever. 
when the fullness of time comes, Jesus will return. And so the second thing is not only um, does God promise that there's an end to all this, He also promises, I'm coming for you. I'm com- and that's not a, I'm coming for you. It's a, I'm coming for you. Right? He's coming for us. And all of the brokenness and madness and darkness and evil of our world will be set right. He's coming for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Why the exile? Why the timeline? Why is he coming for us? All of it is because he has a plan for us. This is all going somewhere. He has a plan for us. He's a plan for you. He's making something of you. He's making something of the people of God in this world. He's rescuing people out of the world and making something of them. The plans he has for us are what this is all about. It's not about the exile. It's about the plans. Big picture. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of what we've walked through in the last year and a half, are we seeking Him with all of our heart? Because that's the point, above all points. Are we seeking Him? Are we helping others to seek Him? I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to get ready to do so. But as they are doing that, um, I'm excited about, about digging into this more. This is just big picture introduction. There's a lot here, as you can tell. And this is just one little passage among many that talk about how do we live in exile. It's important that we understand the times in which we live. We live wisely. Make the most of every opportunity. Right? So Father, lead us in the days to come in this series. We want to learn how to be good exiles. We want to learn how to navigate these challenging, difficult questions. Holy Spirit, bring understanding from your word 
all of us would lay aside opinion and lay hold of your word, your instructions, so that we may do this well. In Jesus' name we pray. All of this is about Jesus who was willing to live as an exile in his own world, the world he made. Jesus came as an exile. And even literally, he ran to Egypt with his parents and and started his life as an exile. It's a picture of the fact that he was exiled into Egypt. A world system of darkness even became a victim of the world system in order to break its power. And so today we celebrate together his body broken and his blood shed for us. Do you receive the elements, hold on to them, and we will celebrate communion together. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to avert the word from the throne of endless glory to a grave in the dirt.
2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me read that again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. Because he who had no sin became sin, took on our sin. And in fact, in chapter 8, over a couple chapters, verse 9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So God, today we are reminded of your faithful love. Jesus was willing to become an exile in this land to leave heaven become one of us to become poor so that through his poverty we could become rich thank you for the exchange that happened when we 
surrendered our lives to Jesus. Thank you for the exchange that is still happening every day as we surrender more of who we are to Jesus. And thank you for the exchange that will happen when one day we lay it all down. And we are clothed with your glory and we are crowned with your goodness and your righteousness. So as we hold the emblem of your broken body, Jesus, we are thankful that, that you took your sin upon our sin upon yourself, that you became sin so that we could become righteous. Jesus, when he had given thanks, he took bread and broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's receive the emblem of his broken body now. Jesus, thank you. The blood of the God-man was spilt on that cross to wash away. It's the greatest detergent in the universe. To wash away the stain and the poison of our sin. Make us clean. Thank you that your blood still has the power to set lives free. To bring hope into darkness. So after supper, Jesus took the cup. When he had given thanks, he blessed it and said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the emblem of his shed blood. Praise the Father. Let's stand and sing. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory. Majesty. Praise forever to the King. Oh, come on, folks. He deserves our worship this morning. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King. One more time, sing praise the Father. Oh, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever. 
Today and throughout this week, as we live as sons and daughters of the King, as we live as citizens of a different kingdom, even in the midst of the world that we live in, God, lead us and guide us, we pray. Make us the voice of hope in this world, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.